You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. This episode of the Sportsman's Nation is brought to you by Outdoor Edge and their complete lineup of replaceable blade knives, fixed blade knives, and game processing kits. Now, we've all been there before, trying to field dress your wild game with a dull knife. This is where Outdoor Edge really steps in. With the Razor Safe system, you can have a brand new razor sharp blade with just the push of a button. No more dull blades and no more problems processing your wild game. To check out all of the products from Outdoor Edge, visit OutdoorEdge.com. And at checkout, enter the discount code NATION30. That's N-A-T-I-O-N-3-0 for 30% off of your purchase. Welcome to the Land and Legacy Podcast. We're your hosts, Adam Keith. And Matt Dye. This is your number one resource for all things land. If you're interested in conservation, habitat management, hunting strategy, and rural real estate, this is the podcast for you. All righty, guys. Welcome back to another Land and Legacy podcast. Rolling down the road. Matt's yep. here. Yeah. Adam's here. I always feel weird saying that, you know, we just recorded an hour ago the other one, and it's like, hey, guys, I'm here again, I'm here again. Yeah. But I don't know which one they're going to listen to first, and they may not even listen to both podcasts. Or certainly week. not the exact same time, one right after another. That'd be a, yeah. that'd be a lot of us in their ear. Well, I don't there's know a lot of guys that, that say that the two, <laughs> they wish there was more, and I'm like, gah, I wish there was less. <laughs> this, this is, um, you know, it, it's a great, great opportunity to be able to have this long format discussion um, because a lot of what we do talk about is weighty it's not just this short tip that can be shared and move on like it does need some elaboration can be complex or can be a lot of variables thrown into situations so it is a blessing but at the same time i I think of it like this it's two hours the long format doing two podcasts a week if somebody were to walk into me and I, I and, and let's just say I was strictly a, a cattle farmer, strictly a doctor, and I and, and I hunted a little bit, and a guy said, "Hey, plant clover. It's the best thing. You'll shoot more deer." I'd probably say because this is my personality, I'd say, "I I have so many questions." <laughs> yeah. And I would say, "One thing leads okay, to another." Okay, okay. Let's unpack that. Why? How? When? 
in what where? situations yes and yes. and and i would want to know why you said that yep. rather than just say okay and then just take it and accept it let's go plant clover like yep. and uh and so that's where I like for us we get that opportunity and and we get repetitive sometimes because it needs to be really unpacked in different ways or different times of the year circle back yep yeah all all those things so you know for us i i enjoy it but sometimes I, sometimes it does feel like and i i can understand why a preacher sometimes would be like i feel like i just covered this did we just talk about sin last week did, did i just <laughs> talk about <laughs> Didn't when I just I felt like grace? I was I mentioned Prayer? Matthew chapter twenty four or Matthew yeah. whenever, um, just just last year yep. did I do that? Yeah, you pr- you probably did, but that's the great thing. It's it's the it it's, doesn't get old. It doesn't get old. Whoa, there we go. There's uh, your phone going off. My Oops. phone going off. I had it on silent, and that's a client calling to check in. Uh, nice. And. Uh, <laughs> Thanks, Joe. Thanks for interrupting the podcast. Appreciate it. <laughs> Shout out to Joe. <laughs> Shout out to Joe. No, he listens, so I think, every week, so he'll get a kick out of that. But, yeah, anyway. Um, but you know what doesn't get old? Shooting big deer. Shooting big deer. <laughs> you know what else doesn't get old? Uh, what's that? Laying out a plan and doing <sighs> it. Targeting a deer and doing it. Yeah, no doubt. And uh, that is, I mean, that, that's just, just like the pinnacle. To me, there's, you know, as you grow up, <sighs> as you grow up, there's this, like, I don't care. Big deer is big deer. Any big deer is big is, yeah. is great, you know. Yeah. Like, I don't care. I don't care who he is, I don't what care. name yeah. he is, where he came from. I'm just glad I got him. Yep. And as I've gotten older and landowner, it's like, you know, we get invites to go hunt with clients, and that's all great. Time doesn't allow for us to do it as nearly as much as we would like. But at the end of the day, too, <coughs> a part of it is, I don't really want to go shoot your big deer. Like, right. I don't I don't really see the need to go and hunt because I have no story with you. Now, There's yes, that's fun, but a big part, of, and you'll, you know, this week's podcast, you'll be able to confirm this or disagree with me, each is fine, but... I like hunting deer that I've targeted with my habitat techniques and my layout and going, okay, this, 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 and that's the deer I want. And then when it comes all together, I'm like, that's the pinnacle. Yeah, and and as we talk about this week more, there's a unique relationship here to where I went and the farms that we are working. So it's like this. This wasn't just a loss. or This just wasn't like the, I'm just going to show up and and shoot. I'm not a hired gun here. Right, right. And I like (laughs) what makes deer hunting fun and memorable and impactful is that connection. Connection to a property, connection to an animal, connection to the relationships and friends that you have, that you make, your family, and those who you get to share that experience with. That is why we do what we do and why we enjoy it. And the more that you can build into that story and this memory increases and elevates that experience. Yeah. And and so ultimately, yeah, I, I totally agree that if it, it's just not as sweet um, as a let, let, let's say you're hunting your your own property and a random buck that you have no idea who it is, but it meets the criteria that you're shooting for 
comes in yeah. and you whack him, great, awesome, but you might not get the exact same connection out of, you know, maybe a deal you've been watching grow for three years. Yeah. And it's like there just is a little bit of a difference. Yeah. No harm, no foul, but it, it there it's is great a to difference. have both. It is great to have both. <laughs> yeah. Like we talk about boundary birds or boundary bucks. Yeah. Versus yeah. homebodies. Seth killed Seth Seth killed a, a boundary buck this year. He had no idea who it was. He was like, I'm trying to age this deer. I'm trying to look at him, like estimate, is that what I want to shoot? And I don't know him at all. And yeah. shoots a deer and it was what we would call a boundary deer. Um yeah. very little information, if any at all. And he met the criteria, so he got whacked. But yeah. it wasn't one that he was chasing. But, sure, you're going to take that opportunity that's right there in yeah. front of you. Yeah, the, the criteria for boundary bucks is a little different than the criteria for sure. homebodies. Sure. But, uh, you know, that's that's the enjoyment of hunting is, is, you know, not only those long plays or those long-term planning, but also that short and short-term planning as well as the – Quick instinct, yes. Planning where <laughs> you get to do all those things, and, yeah. and that's fun. Like sometimes those quick instincts ones are the ones that are like, yeah. And then there's the then and then there's the other side of that where it's like, uh oh, I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you can immediately. Well, it's funny because uh, in this story you'll hear much of, like both both sides of those. Yeah. Um, so it just a unique situation. So let's let's uh, before we jump in, I know we need to uh yeah. hit uh Onyx Maps. Onyx Maps is a it's a partner of Land of Legacy and it's one tool that we use constantly daily for our recommendations. Actually this morning early I sent out marked out betting tickets and sent them to one of our clients to start implementing on this is mm-hmm. the next phase of the project for him and here's Two the priority ago for me I did that with I, guy it just going, okay, is I'm ready to cut this weekend I was like this these right here bomb 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 you'll yep. cut those those three when you're done come back I'll give you more work yeah. but the 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 ability for user friendly sharing of information um, project management task type software amazing yeah amazing. i mean when it comes to <clears throat> tools we use this is right at the top of the list it's in the top three for sure to make us have the ability to do our job appropriately and, and remotely too yeah like we obviously we're only we can only be on site so many times out of a given year um or just hours within a year and so this ability to communicate specifically what you're trying to share with a landowner, it, it solves a lot of different pain points. No and doubt. for even if you're not in our position, you're sharing that information, having that information to share <coughs> with your buddies, um, or just analyze and plan for yourself, yeah. bar none, worth it, get it, use code land and legacy twenty to get twenty percent off discount code for on X subscriptions. Yep. Woo. We got a fun story to share this week. You do. I haven't even heard the story yet. <laughs> I kind it of is, parts you of got, it. You got some parts of it. Um, we hinted around last week on the podcast that um, I was headed to deer hunt and work in 
Iowa. We, we left out the Iowa standpoint, but I think a lot of people probably got the clues and, and, and put it all together. Um, but specifically... The clues? Western I, Iowa. I, well, I think I, I laughed because you were like, I'm not, you know, when we said, yeah, we're not going to let the cat out of the bag. And it was like, I noticed on the Instagram story, I start, or Instagram, I started getting messages. Oh. And I was like, I think... I, I the cat's out In my now. head, you drove there. straight there, and it was like, zoot, pan, Welcome to Iowa, baby, or whatever. <laughs> and it was like, oh, he didn't hide that very long. Nope. Nope. I was feeling optimistic um, that hopefully there would be a story like this to be able to share. Um, but it was it was a beautiful, beautiful setting. So so let's let's kind of start back at how we how how we've gotten here. Um, several years ago, we had uh, a gentleman named Brenton email in and. <coughs> Talk about consulting and working at some properties um, in western Iowa that he had and his family had, and that relationship ha- has developed. And there, there is a is a group of of landowners who work together um, and with Land Legacy to purchase farms and um, put together management plans for those farms and then implement the plan. And put that farm back out for sale as a as a more turnkey type property with improved habitat story, where a family can come in, um, purchase that farm, and and see the improvements, and take advantage of that hard work. Um, yeah. So they're ready to go, and so through the process, of course, I've been up there multiple times. There, you know, lots of conversations, got to know them very well. And this fall, there were or late summer fall, there were several. Um, new farm purchases in that area that increased the opportunity for (coughs) hunting various farms, not pressuring and getting some inventory of, okay, who's, who's here? What's on this farm? And so um, there is a, there is a farm that you'll hear more about. We've talked about on, on several podcasts, Burr Oaks. Um, That farm is going to be available this coming year. And so, um, there was that farm, um, 137-acre farm, and then 122-acre farm um, all together in this general uh, region of western Iowa in Zone 3. And so um, basically with that, an invitation to come up and hunt during a shotgun uh, was given to us. Um, and so I took him up on the opportunity, and yeah. here we are going to Iowa second shotgun season and um, was able to purchase a, a over-the-counter doe tag and due to their graciousness and generosity um, party hunt with them on the farm and utilize buck tag and so that's yeah. a unique situation in Iowa um, but one that it certainly took advantage of especially in a situation like this and so um, basically went up watching weather and the, the game plan was most of these farms had been planted, uh, had corn. And specifically, the property, the 137, it, it just is, you like when you get to the property, it's like, okay, here's a phenomenal setup. Like, th- this property is it's like a naturally gifted athlete. You're like, okay, regardless, this one is just set up well. Like, it's got some sweet foundational um, habitat pieces mm-hmm. that are just, like, woven into 
this property. And um, that one obviously caught our eye and then placing cameras out on it, um, it quickly realized, wow, this thing has got some beasts. Like there are some, there are some big deer on this place already. Not a surprise, this, this portion of Iowa doesn't get the, the recognition, the fame um, that other portions do, but not because big deer aren't there. And um, they're definitely there on this 137. So we knew going into the week that that was probably going to be a um, a higher targeted farm um, because of what was on that place. And so anyhow, that place had corn and it was harvested really late, um, like very last part of November and into December. So um, we had left some standing grain in these set locations and um, basically, due to the amount of corn and the recent harvest, we we're like, standing grain's going to be good. Some was brush hawk down. But it may not be as impactful as if they had harvested it in late October and all the other spilled grain had been uh, already consumed out of the area. So we knew going into it that weather wasn't going to be perfect. Uh, it wasn't going to be that cold, cold setting uh, that you kind of dream of, but there was snow on the ground, and that was helpful going into the week, and then it began to melt off. But regardless, that's kind of the scenario, hunt standing grain. Um, and then additionally, uh, we, we had some work that we needed to do, some habitat work, uh, chainsawing that we are going to kind of be balancing out, picking the right days and times to hunt throughout this week. But on on the 137, there was – four deer that were of age that were had been showing up different times throughout the throughout the fall and um it was like okay if any of these things pop out but we're, we're we're good and confident that that there are four and a half at least and older that we can kill them and you know not they're they're a representative of the area like they're a good candidate and uh also had doe tags but as it all goes don't want to put too much pressure on the place early on into a shorter trip and um, so we didn't take those the first day that we had some opportunities at Um, but then we get into the second day and I was specifically selected a blind to hunt and we had a south wind um, which so some of the setups were were more for favoring a west-northwest wind. But this one blind in particular um, absolutely can easily hunt it on a south wind. It kind of is on the point of an L-shaped field, so you get to look down both ways. And uh, (coughs) being warmer that afternoon, I mean, I'm not in any bibs. I don't even have a jacket on. There was still snow on the ground in places. It was still snow, yes. Yes. So I understand you're on the 137. With snow, with some snow on the ground. Some like, snow. It looked like More, the north slopes, point, east slopes had yes, snow. At this point, it was really just restricted to north slopes and east slopes due to 50, 55 degree temps. Yeah. But it had snowed the Friday, Thursday, Friday beforehand. Um, so they were coming out of snow, and um, it made for glassing really easy and seeing movement in wooded areas. You, you could pick deer off. Uh, really pretty easily and so I got in the blind and um, was there 
really slow evening. I mean, this field and nights previously in early different portions of the the hunting season uh, from Brenton and his family, you know, they had seen 20, 30 deer in the field. Mm. Easy. Like, so I was like, you're going to see deer. They're going to be there. Um, but I wasn't seeing them. Like, mm-hmm. it got to be 430, and I hadn't seen a deer in the field yet. I was like, wow, <coughs> man, this is just a slow, slow evening. Yeah. But then about 435, I look, and out of the very back corner of the field is two does pop out, and I see legs in the background coming out into the field as well. And and this is 300 yards away. Yeah. And so, of course, we're using straight wall cartridges, um, the, the Winchester 350 Legend, and it's like, yeah, that's not a shot, <laughs> obviously, yeah. you're going to be taking. Um, yeah. But but here comes two bucks. One was, I, I believe, a three-and-a-half-year-old 10-pointer. Um, broad daylight, comes out, stays in the back of the field. And that's pretty typical from what they have been seeing is deer coming out feeding and uh, going back in and then coming right back out or coming out of that corner, eating a little bit jumping in the timber, working their way down farther out and into the field. And uh, coming coming with more within range. <coughs> and so we're just watching. I was like, man, that's a that's a really nice young deer. And here comes another one. That I, I, I think I didn't get as good of a look at that one. Um, but another 10-pointer with some stickers coming off the bases. And it's like, man, those are beautiful, beautiful bucks. But they come out in the field, five-minute encounter, go back in. I'm like, okay, there's still 40-so minutes before dark. And uh, those deer go back in. Nothing comes out. And it's like, they're, I don't know, another probably 30 minutes of no deer in the field. Which is like, man, what in the world? The wind was great. I'm sitting there thinking, man, it's just just the warmer weather. Um, There has been a little bit of pressure on the farm, but I, I don't think it's enough to keep deer out of the field um same corner here come two we got about 10 15 minutes left so i'm looking at two deer in the field and i could the field itself is probably 15 15 acres so i mean it's a it's a big field like i ought to be able to see i said expecting 20 to 30 to pile in there and it's very secluded like you know it's it's in the center of this farm, but this farm, just the way these hills and the less hills work, man, it is like it's almost like a stadium kind of in there. Just very high peaks. Um, yeah, like an amphitheater. It, yeah, it really is. So like deer ought to feel very comfortable in there. So anyhow, I'm just like man, this this is kind of a little bit of a bummer. But as hunting goes, five minutes before dark starts to change, and so I'm glassing, and it's getting dark. And to my right, the other side of the field, here comes a group of four does. And boom, they come off the slope right down to the field, start eating. I'm like, okay, great. But I have very, like, we're winding down fast on on any opportunities. The other bucks and does, they never came back out. I'm saying, well, okay, you know, thinking and making game plans for tomorrow. I look back to my left, see those two. Nothing else came out on that side. And I turn back the other side of the field now there's five deer and i'm like wait a second who's that and it just just had walked out of the timber put the binos up and now we got like 
three minutes left, two minutes left maybe, when I first see this thing. And uh, I put the binos up and immediately can see much bigger body, mature deer, but with low light condition, and even looking through binos head down in a cut cornfield with, you know, corn stalks are a foot and a half tall, that little bit of light and a little bit of shine off those corn stalks, like, I don't know which deer that is. I mean, I, I really have no clue, but it's mature deer. So I actually have to switch which seat, seat and everything I'm in and move the camera around and uh, get situated, zoom in, and it's like there's no light. There's just zero light in the camera. I'm like, son of a gun. So I'm looking at it, put the binos back up. I'm like, there's a a three-and-a-half-year-old that he, it's a beautiful 10-pointer, but he broke off, like, his beam right about his brow tine. And I'm like, okay, we need to make sure that that is not that deer and that um, – I would hate to make that mistake, right? Especially going yeah. into this farm. Here's an amazing invite. I don't obviously want to shoot a three-and-a-half-year-old 10-pointer uh, with a broken beam who's going to be very studly next year yeah, and the years to come. That's the easiest way to never get invited back. <laughs> right? So I'm like, okay, just make sure he's got both sides. He's mature. And there and there were several, like, heavier, more mature deer. And I, and I could start seeing glimpses uh, and, and more detail of the antlers. So I'm like, okay, he's heavy. He's tall. It's either this deer or that deer. So in my head, I've narrowed down that's not the 10. But as soon as, I mean, he, he walks out, he's five, six yards off the edge of the field and head down. And then very similar to the other deer, he picks his head up. He turns around and starts heading back into the, um, into the timber. And luckily on this portion of the field, there is snow right along the edge of the timber. And so when he had turned around and started to walk back up this hill, there's white background behind him. And I could see, boom, clearly, okay, he has both sides, no doubt. But now I've got like one minute left to yeah. make this thing happen. So it was a split second. That's a shooter. He's mature. I'm either going to take this shot or I'm I'm done for the evening and – the next day, we're forecasted for, well, if anyone's been paying attention to the Midwest, they saw bad tornadoes, extremely high winds, 70 degrees during December, and then dropping <laughs> down to 20 that night. So, like, this yeah. crazy weird weather. And um, I was like, I, it, it's kind of a now or never situation because we weren't even going to be hunting the next day due to that. Um, so, anyhow, I bleated. The buck stops, turns, kind of quartering away, and I'm not even going to say I really settled. I made a rush shot, and because now his head is, like, going into the timber, and um, just rushed the shot. I did not hear the bullet hit that deer, and I'm like, you dum-dum. Like, here's your shot. Here's your opportunity, and uh, I think you just whiffed, but it's... As soon as that happened, the deer, 180s, God just redirected him, sent him back into the field, and comes out into the field where there is more light, and um, I jack another shell in, 
and now he's quartering to me and squeeze the trigger. He's at about 180, 190. And um, on the Vortex scope, it's got, you know, the different reticles I had sighted in. And I had one, the second reticle was right at 170 with the um, Deer Season XP, the 350 Legend round. And felt confident, settled it, squeezed it, and heard it hit and make contact. And I was like, okay, sweet. Thank goodness. And the deer stagger, staggers. I think, I don't think it did a rear kick, but it kind of like almost reared up on its front legs a little bit and, and held its shoulder because I hit right on the point of that that um, leading shoulder being quartering two. That's what and that doe did that I shot. Like it was really? like, Yeah, it's like reared up yeah. and um, kind of just like took four or five quick steps and wobble, wobble, fell right over. So I'm like, oh my gosh, thank goodness. But I, I had a, a, a second where I was like, Matt, what would, what would happen if uh, you shot, you know, your first shot where you missed and you whiffed and you, you blew that opportunity? What happens if there was a second deer in the field and that's the one that came out and the one that you shot at? Was it, we're, we're talking, maybe, are we talking two different deer now? So yeah. I have like this little internal freak out mode where I'm like, oh my gosh, what if that's not the exact, the same deer that I saw? And so, um, and you anyhow, remember the advice I gave you. That Don't screw this up. Yeah, I actually had uh, one one listener, Dan um, Adams from uh, Maryland. He goes, wow, Adam really just tried to jinx you <laughs> on last week's podcast. Don't mess it up. I was like, yep. Well, yeah, and so I'm thinking like, oh, man, this is this could this could be bad. Yeah. <laughs> but I I knew following up that, that second shot, I was like, okay, it, it like body wise and and shape in the frame, even though it wasn't perfectly crystal clear of antler wise, it was like it was a mature deer. So figure out the rest when we ground check that Joker, and um, we get up there to it, and sure enough, it is one deer. Um, we didn't have a name for it because it was one of the bucks that was honestly random on the farm. I think we had. <laughs> three pictures of that deer throughout the whole fall on the cutty links and then uh, a couple other um, non-cutty cameras. So he was not frequent at all, but has a split G2 on his right side, a split G3 on the left side, fantastic brow tines, heavy mass, and um, just a great, great deer. So the pictures on Instagram, it was down to the wire. Had to make a quick decision of take advantage of Iowa, what it has to offer, or go home. And here's, uh, here's a question. made the decision. Because it sounds like he was at the edge of the timber. Yeah. Without snow, would you have been able to shoot him? Without snow right then, I wouldn't have shot. No. Because it gave the confidence, okay, that deer, one, has both yeah. sides. But then he was perfectly silhouetted against the snow. I was like, yeah. okay, well, yeah. Because, you know, Perfect. as he's going up into the timber – that's the darkest side of the, yeah. the field. Yeah. It's like, oh, boy. No, so, so right. I mean, there was – I told someone, I was like, you know, it was kind of one of those right place, right times, like just very fortunate that it came together. It was not one of those like, oh, here's all this skill and this uh, you know, forethought, this j- great strategy that this deer comes by 
chasing downwind, you know, blah, blah. No, it was not that at all. I mean, yeah. <laughs> and, and it was like, Matt, you just almost botched this thing, but still were able to make a good follow-up shot and put the deer down. But it was almost like, here's this flash. Here's this moment. And, you know, it kind of honestly reminded me that there's some deer hunts where, man, you have this long encounter where there's this animal and it's presenting a shot and, you know, you, you have all this time to make these decisions um, and, and do, you know, hit all your check boxes and whatnot. And then other times you have a hunt where it's just the complete opposite. Yeah. You have to make a split second decision of here's an opportunity. I'm either going to take advantage of it or I'm not. And honestly, one of, one of the things that I was talking with Brenton's dad about was just one, knowing knowing the capabilities of your equipment and what you feel comfortable doing. Um, he's, he's more of a new hunter and, um, you know, he was, he, I think he missed it. He missed a doe earlier in the week and was just kind of going through that thought process of, you know, trying to make sure, um, you know, he had done all the things right. And, and this situation like, you know, sometimes, you know, hunting's not going to be this perfect scenario where you have minutes to watch and, and do all this sometimes you just need to be confident in what you see and then know the limits of your equipment but what you can do with your equipment and uh, if I hadn't been shooting ahead of time and known dialed in to what this yardage was for for this caliber and the performance that it would do then I wouldn't have taken the shot and What's the two first the shot a miss first shot was a clean miss clean miss huh? clean miss yep so I was like I, I look back and I it talk about like it and share the some hunt. Divine intervention. Absolutely. I mean, there's no question, no questions about it. I was like, nope, that's that is the deer for you. And yeah. so, well, I'm gave saying a that with opportunity. there's a little bit of snow, so you can get confirmation. Oh yeah. And then you miss, but the deer turns and runs. Like, what? And, How and, does that and, and, and that, <laughs> that's probably a product of you know growing up in in terrain similar to what that is up there in the Lus Hills, where it's steep little, steep little. Uh, narrow valleys there's some really weird sound oh the the way it sounds so he probably heard the sound from up the valley i guarantee you that the (laughs) the sound the way it went across the valley because i shot across the valley yeah it echoed and he caught the sound of that the shot coming basically from the direction he was turning and going back into the timber it hit that hillside came back to him and that spun him around and got him back in the field because there was those other deer that were in the field and they did the same thing they didn't run out of the field after the first shot what they did was turn and look basically to the east and i was shooting southeast yeah and so yeah just the the way those hills worked and the sound waves bouncing back again perfect scenario um, for for God to show Himself, and say, "Hey, yeah. here's my grace on this situation," no and doubt. Uh, was able to make a, a, like I said that follow up shot, and um, just just again, extremely grateful for their generosity, allowing me to come up and and hunt with them, um, and so that was that was awesome opportunity to share that <coughs> with them. But it, it's further. Ah. Example of like how I've been, I've been kind of quiet on this podcast because I'm trying to navigate, and I for the last 45 minutes going, where am I? Oh gosh! And I'm I feel like, like this is dumb at, and dumber. I, I, you I, went. I, I'm looking at my phone, going, I have never gone this way. I thought we and were going I, north for a good ways. No, like, are and, we still and, on track? Yeah, we're still on track. Uh-huh. And I, that that 
little half turn I made back there was was me correcting when I looked at this. I'm like, uh, I know why I've never gone this way because I've never shot east and gone this way navigating as much as more just north north going northeast. So. I usually don't cross the river here. I'm no, always either south on 44 or far farther north. So it's yeah. like this from this stretch on, it is it's new. It is, um, so. Anyway, <laughs> not to distract us, but that's to why people us. are probably like, what's Adam? Do? Like, he's on his phone again. Nope. I've been trying to uh, navigate you, and going you like. You are, but for a needed, necessary yeah, reason. What, what is happening here? I've never been through this town. So, um, But, yes, that was an awesome an awesome opportunity. And, and hopefully, uh, I, I know there will be more to come from those farms. And, and that was the fun part. I was able to go and visit the farm just yeah. after it closed, um, tour it, and and begin that consultation process of developing a plan. But, you know, what what was really neat is to be able to for for a couple <coughs> sits take in the inf- there's a bald eagle take in the information um, that we were seeing from the way deer moving, and it made me that much more excited for seeing that plan come together it's yeah. like it's a good farm it, it, it's naturally a really good farm one issue is some access to honestly one of the most secluded back port back five acre field that i've seen in a long time like middle of nowhere zero access from anybody else like it's like whoa that that's going to be special but how do we how do we make that an asset instead of a liability for, from an access standpoint? So yeah. designing where deer are going to be spending most of their time during the day from bedding thickets and taking, um, you know, what was bald prairie slopes in the 20s and 30s. We went back and looked at historical information. It was just completely bald. No trees on this place whatsoever, yeah. except for except for a, a few little scattered bur oaks. Down um, in the down in the valley kind of in the in the ravines so yeah. the, the creases the, the folds yep yeah of the hills and um so i mean it was it was 90 percent open um so to see it um change and then to to know that we're going to be going back in and cutting thinning removing the smooth brome that got seeded on some of those slopes or some portion of those slopes and where that's at in relation to some of the um the deer patterns and travel that routes that we saw frequent Man, it's going to be lights out. I mean, it is going to be an amazing 137 acres, um, and and super easy to just just be successful year in and year out there. So that one's going to be a, a very very special farm um, to see develop and great neighborhood, lots yeah. of deer and lots of big deer. Mm. And this was this was my biggest deer, yet yeah, so far too. Um, and so that was definitely, definitely one for what do you, memories. Oh, wh- what do you end up scoring? 160 and a half. Very nice. So he had uh, a broken main beam and it had a G3, G4, excuse me, on one side that he wasn't going to be much, maybe an inch or two. I think it was just kind of a split on the end of the main beam. Um, How much that the was broken off. Was missing? Two? Two gotcha. or three inches. So what like that? that beam end up scoring, or what was the seventeen and three quarters? So it'd have been like nineteen. Yeah, the other one was twenty-one. Gotcha. So, I mean, it, you know, it probably was a mid one sixties deer, 
Um, but that regardless, beautiful, beautiful, dark antlered, big body, mature deer, and that was an awesome, awesome buck. So next year, you're up to bat. Possibly. 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 <laughs> you can't you can't make that plan this uh, far in advance. <laughs> Possibly. But it's on the uh, radar. Next year I'll have three under four. You need a nanny. Yeah. <laughs> I'm kidding. That's why like when you when we talked about going to Iowa this year, you were like, You wanna go? And I was like Well, of course I want to, but yeah. real realistically, I? No, reality I shouldn't. I shouldn't. Yeah. Especially, you know, in in our life right now. Not only is Land and Legacy very busy, but we're busy with, with uh, you know, real estate as well. Ugh. But also, that and, trip and was just the reminder. Trying to plan out, you know, you you would love to, yeah, you would love to just be like, yeah, let's go do it. But in my head, like, I, I want to get things in place and then enjoy this stuff, and then enjoy those hunts. And right now, it's like there's just you know. It's a lot right of iron around in the, the fire. holidays. Yep. I better not go. So. Well, and as soon as I left town, I knew I knew it was going to happen just based on some some uh, and, phone and, calls. And, and that's one of the biggest reasons. Like when we both leave on trips, not good. It's usually not good, especially <laughs> not for week long trips. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, like it's at least good. one of us being home. We can, you know, if if it, your wife Put needs some something, I can help. Or yeah. if. I'm gone, and my wife needs something. You can help. Mm-hmm. When we're both gone, it's like, yeah, that that especially on a hunting trip. Yeah, exactly. When doesn't ha- we don't have to put that stress on it. Year yeah. in wrapping up stuff, and then yeah, I was on my phone. What seemed like <laughs> constantly. Yeah. With real, I was just like, whoa, this this trip was. Um, it was a, it was a hundred percent a work trip <laughs> the way it turned into it, but yeah. again very grateful. They are they are extremely generous group, and I uh, want to thank them uh, for the opportunity. And we just appreciate the the ability to work with them and their passion for land ownership, land stewardship, and and doing it in a site like the Les Hills. Adam, you and I have talked about when we you know um, discussed the other property, Burr Oaks Bluff, and and the turnaround, the the rare plant communities that are coming back as a response to working and doing these practices in the in the Lus Hills, yeah. plus seeing the wildlife respond, man, it's just awesome. Saw a cubby yeah. quail on the this place too. Oh, that's cool. While you're we there, um, so it just, I mean, one after another, uh, from an opportunity standpoint of that this this property this region is extremely responsive to these techniques yeah and that's f- those are f- really fun areas because it's not in. that far off from historical landscape that's the it's, that's it's, the thing right. it's like just a little bit of work and you can see the plant response explode Ooh, when other yeah. places it's been used abused neglected for so long that you, sometimes you may have to bring the seed back you may have to right. replant prairies or native uh, diverse native areas. You're, and so you're, you're looking for like an indicator plant. Yeah. Here we're looking at plant communities that are native and in their natural it's, it's form. A, it's a 180. Yeah, you have sure. basically areas where you're looking for an indicator plant. And then you go to areas like this where you're looking for the plants that need to be removed. Because all everything there's so much uh, good. Because there's so much good. <laughs> the, the, the foundation is good. 
and you got to remove the little bad when in other places the foundation is bad and you're trying to save the little bit of good. Correct. We're trying to yeah. bring it back. That's but, why places oof. like Oklahoma and parts of Texas and Kansas and even parts of Missouri and there's, I mean, in each state there's a place that's like, oh, yeah, that's pretty mm-hmm. great. You just have to look a little harder. It seems like the yep. more east you go because the amount of invasive species that invasive, are dominating the that amount area, of urbanization. Uh, yeah, the, the amount of the, the landscape has changed from – you know, and again, it's a good reminder from like the Southeast Grasslands Initiative. If you're not familiar with them, go check them out. But <laughs> just the the way that that landscape has changed, we're we're talking prairies now into vast pine plantations of yeah. like it's 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 a forestry dominated community versus what was historically a grassland. Yeah, like that that's obviously a big change. We're 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 ways off from the way it naturally was operating, but not the case in uh, this portion of the country, especially on, on this parcel itself. So um, it's going to be a fun project to continue working on developing. Um, We'll be back up later this spring and uh, bring you some more information there. But any other thing you want to cover this week? Yeah, I'd say follow along. I, I, I hope that people are following along in this project because this little hot spot of, of farm flipping, if you will, is really kind of turning into something really cool because we get to see the process yep. in in a really cool part of the state that's kind of underutilized or not as broadcasted or as, and it, has as it many has eyeballs on it. Every opportunity that yeah. – it actually has more opportunity, quite frankly. Yeah. It has way more opportunity than other portions of the state. And frankly, because the terrain is – kept it from some of the other things that are happening across yeah. that state so yep. or across the region so i hope people enjoy it I, I know they do we get a lot of great feedback on it and uh yeah they'll pl- see plenty more hunts coming uh right. from iowa in the future so that's right anyway guys we appreciate you listening and uh, merry christmas merry christmas and we'll catch you next week we'll see you yep.